Welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever made. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? It's been going pretty good, um, as we, especially now that we spent like 20 minutes off mic talking about video games. <laughs> talking about Earthbound and, and the final battle from Earthbound and how horrifying it is. Yeah. So how was your Thanksgiving? My Thanksgiving was pretty good. We um, sort of just did a Friendsgiving thing where we um, hung out and watched Hellraiser uh, because uh, we, so um, my buddy, my buddy Mallory uh, loves Hellraiser and so do I, but Sarah had never seen Hellraiser. And so it became a sort of like, oh, and like the problem is, you know, because it's Thanksgiving and I think we're all desperate for new traditions, right? <laughs> because we sort of, you know, I, you know, we, we, we've, we've come out of uh, Thanksgiving traditions like argue with your racist uncle at dinner and uh, creep out to eat uh, gravy straight from the tub at three in the morning the, the, the next day, which is still Thanksgiving um, tradition I stand by. But, you know, so we watched we watched Hellraiser and I realized that, like, that's one of those movies that when somebody asks you, is Hellraiser a good movie? You kind of don't totally know how to answer that question. Right. It is a film that was made with human dollars. Oh, yes. Of all the movies I've seen, this is the most recent one. Um, I, it's, <laughs> it's like it's a great movie, but I feel like it's one of those things that um, which also we're going to get into fucking Cenobite stuff later on in the episode. So that's going to be great. Um, but so, yeah, so I, I it was really good. We um Mostly, I've been sick for the last week, so I uh, I apologize if my voice sounds kind of um, crunchy right now. I feel like I've got a crunchy voice, and it's 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 a lot. How are you doing? I mean, pretty good. So Mondo Macabro sent me a Blu-ray of Emmanuel in New York. Speaking Ooh. of, like, I don't know how to feel about this uh, snuff film that I have on Blu-ray, <laughs> and now it's like in my home looking at me. <laughs> Oh man, just staring at you from the shelf. That could be the title of your title of your memoir. I'm not sure how to feel about this snuff film. <laughs> like it's just it's it's a lot, you know. I just it's, yeah. it's 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 yeah, it's a lot emotionally. But I have been able to read a lot now that I've uh, been on Thanksgiving break. Uh, I took my Kindle to Thanksgiving. My Thanksgiving tradition is sitting on the couch at my in-laws and reading instead of. Um, engaging in conversation with my relatives oh that's ideal yeah but i've been reading faith harper's um ebook unfuck your adulting which is like it's self-help but Mm -hmm. faith harper has such a like accessible ironic uh i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you what to do with your life but i'm gonna cuss a lot at you so it like it goes down smooth that's really important, I think, like, because I, I, I've read a lot of self-help books because sort of, A, because I'm horribly mentally ill, and then B, because, like, growing up, my mom gave me so many of them. Um, and I feel like uh, as a as a 33-year-old adult person, I need you to say fuck if you're going to get through to me and help me with my life. Yeah. Like, if you, if, if you don't cuss, I kind of, I don't know how to relate to you as a self-help person. And my favorite thing about Faith Harper is she has a PhD, and, um all of those other initials after her name and she doesn't use case studies in her books which is like if you've ever read a lot of self-help like the john is a 32 year old who doesn't know why he cries every time he eats lasagna and he's afraid to go down the stairs and he just wants to have (laughs) success in his career it's like i don't care just tell me the science for why my brain doesn't work and let me figure it out myself so she actually 
does that. She's like, See, hey, um, trauma is the reason why you feel shitty. So if you breathe harder and also talk to someone about it, uh, you can overcome that. See, this is also how I feel about uh, astrology because so Christine is getting super into astrology and I, I've kind of like uh, dived down that uh, sinkhole with her. So um, that's wild because the other day someone told me that they took a college class in astrology and I said, you mean astronomy? And they're like, <laughs> no, astrology, the study of the stars. And I was like, I don't think that means what you think it means. <laughs> You know, the, the influences of the celestial bodies upon our lives, which is, is one of those things that, like, it's uh, the metaphysical. I've realized I don't believe in any of it except for when I totally do. It's like it's like it's like ghosts or the bell witch, right? Like it's uh, I've got this uh, uh, app called CoStar, which apparently, according to, uh, to Hunk Tears, is not super accurate. But it's one of those. I will believe anything as long as it's reading me for filth. Okay, and... so I'm sorry to like go in on you, but oh please, but, please, oh, please. It, you know what I mean the fucking bullshit app that tells you your um, <laughs> fate as opposed to celestial bodies isn't accurate. <laughs> yeah, listen, when it's when I have... all made up. <laughs> Listen, when I have an app on my phone that tells me that a planet millions of miles away moved a little bit, and that's why I'm crying right now, <laughs> I just I just demand a level of verisimilitude from my astrology phone app that I think CoStar just doesn't necessarily bring. Um, but like, it's one of those things that uh, Christina got into it because like she was listening to this podcast that was um, bad astrologers, which is like they're both really smart and really cool, but they're both really into astrology and like. For Christina, it was one of them said, oh, well, you know, they have Venus in the third house. And then the other one goes, oh. And Christina's like, what does it mean? And, like, needing to, like, I know that these people are smart, and I want to, like, this is, like, a, a language that I want to learn. Um, although the other book that I'm reading right now is uh, kind of a self-help book. It's a Total Cat Mojo by Jackson Galaxy. Ooh. Um, <laughs> Tell me I, more about the Catman's Cat book. <laughs> Oh, it's fucking great. I, I, you're, you're, you are, I assume, familiar with um, noted cartoon character and guess who character Jackson Galaxy, right? Yeah, the fact that... So I was at the pet store the other day looking at pets, not owning mm. a pet, you know, as right. one does in their adult <laughs> yeah, life. Yeah, window shopping. And Jackson Galaxy has his own brand of cat toys, and Shit, they yes. are as wild as Jackson Galaxy himself. Man, he looks like if a bowling shoe was cursed by a wizard with life, and I love him so much. Like, and obviously, a bowling which, first shoe of all, that found a Gadzooks circa nineteen ninety nine, and walked through the yeah. clearance rack, and and just got a copy of the Dirty Boogie by Brian Setzer, and was really <laughs> fucking excited about it. Um, and like Jackson Galaxy, like I I love him so much because. You know what it is? Like, if it were, like, a cool guy telling me stuff about cats, I wouldn't believe them. But if you're a guy who has chosen to name himself Jackson Galaxy, and you got that facial hair, I believe you when you tell me stuff about cats. Right, and you have so, nothing to lose, because you're clearly in it for the cats. Now, here's yeah. my question. Does Jackson Galaxy's look appeal to felines? That's a great question. I think he... Oh my god, I, you just made me realize. He dresses like a cat toy. That's why they love him so much. He's probably got fucking catnip stuffed in his pockets, like Technicolor leopard shirts. Incredible. So he's he's rigged the game is what he's done. Yeah, like, he's he's doing that like, yeah. What I really desperately want is the oral history of shooting my cat from hell. 
Oh, shit. That show was upsetting to me because, like, you would see so many people being like, I don't know what it is. I throw my cat across the room like a lawn dart and, and, and pour my soup on them, and now they're really mad at me. <laughs> I don't... What, I, I'm going to get rid of my cat. And then also you'll get people sort of being like, well, you know, I've had this cat for 12 years, and, you know, they're, they're, they're like family to me, but my uh, partner of uh, three months doesn't like them, so I think I might just dump them at the pound. And it's like, you... You and your partner are both monsters. So speaking of monsters, I'm also reading Matt Kaplan's The Science of Monsters, which tries Ooh. to scientifically explain mythological mythological creatures. So oh, hell yeah. He's, there's a whole chapter on how the Nemean lion from the Hercules myth might have actually mm -hmm. been real because Eurasian lions existed in 11,000 BC. And um, because they are close to an ice age, they probably were... Uh, subjects of gigantism so it's oh, like shit. although there aren't fossil records also if uh lions had eurasian lions had to leave the caves and streams where they normally lived because of human um settlements they would have died in the alps and we would have never found their fossils so maybe there were real giant lions that oh, hercules man. had to kill yeah it's really? wild Really, what that comes down to is cryptids. There could be cryptids, right? They could I be love out that here. it's it's like, and it talks about like, or maybe it was uh, hyperthyroidism. And there's like, <laughs> he's like, because giants are real, because people actually do have hyperthyroidism, and also sure. like they've even found in certain communities where um, several people have gigantism that there mm -hmm. is something in the genetic pool, the gene pool. So like. It, it's another one of those, well, giants are real, so if giants are real, then why not Sasquatch as well? I, I need to make it clear yeah. to the listeners, it is me who's extrapolating that. Matt Kaplan <laughs> is a scientific journalist and w is unwilling to talk about cryptids, but right. well, I'm listen, here to, to, you know, alley-oop that into the goal. <laughs> listen, we're just, we're just here to ask questions. We're just, you know, we're not, we're not saying that Mothman is real and strong and that he's our friend. It's just, we're just asking questions. Yeah. So, uh, let's talk about drag. Absolutely. So, I, uh, so for the last year, I have uh, been watching so much fucking RuPaul's Drag Race. And this is uh, a train that you, uh, I believe, have, uh, have, have jumped also. Yeah, so um, the wife has been watching um, through RuPaul, and mm -hmm. just by sheer osmosis, I've been sucked in as well. Oh, and yeah. um, I have, it's been <laughs> a wild ride. I can't stop saying hunty to everyone I meet. Um, my wife and I continuously greet each other with hi and hi. bye. Fucking man, honestly, Alaska Thunderfuck. Like that. So you're, you're on season, I think six, right? Yes. Man, honestly, like, so I, we just went and saw, uh, uh, Bianca Del Rio's, uh, one, uh, drag queen show, uh, It's Jester Joke, <laughs> because she, because she's a clown in a gown. Um, I gotta tell you, that, sh that show is kind of uncomfortable, because some of the jokes that Bianca Del Rio does, which is sort of like edgelord for the sake of being edgelord, because it's the idea, you know, it's the idea of like, it's just a joke, it's sort of like... Um, I went and saw John Waters do a talk a couple of years ago, and he said some stuff that was upsetting, and I was like, this is a real dead dove do not eat situation, where it's like, all right, the guy who made fucking pink flamingos, I don't know what I was expecting, but 
<laughs> you said some stuff that upset me, and I, I don't know. I don't know why. So um, that brings us to the Boulay brothers' Dracula, because holy shit! Apparently, um, RuPaul has really anesthetized. Uh, queer culture like from from all of the contestants of this show um rupaul has just made everything too sparkly and commercial and as they constantly bandy about top 40 yeah i honestly this is my thing that now i I, i've now watched jesus eight seasons of rupaul's drag race um i haven't watched anything from season four before because it's uh, bad but i think the more you watch a thing like rupaul's drag race the more you sort of realize like RuPaul has this, I think, Disney kind of bootstrap uh, self-help shtick about sort of like, you know, you just you need you just need to believe in yourself, and if anything stops you or hurts you or traumatizes you, you can't uh, pay attention to that, and you just have to keep, you know. And, and and I think that the the problem with it is that like RuPaul's Drag Race, it's the reason that we're like talking about drag right now is because it it got so big as a show. Yeah, but. When, the more you watch it, it's like, okay, this is just an absolute vodka ad. Uh, it, it, you know what it makes me think of? There's this tweet that I think about every day, which is like, what people think gay pride parades are. Hellraiser 3 in full view of the American family. What they actually are. Uh, Monsanto has hired young men in jockstraps to give you uh, a coupon for a free corn dog if you like jail on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I'm very much completely naive about gay culture because I just, that's not anything that I have my finger close to. And I don't pretend to, but like, it's so wild because watching RuPaul's Drag Race, it's like really uncomfortable to me. So like as a Mm -hmm. cisgender male, I'm just like, how am I supposed to feel about all of these like he, she jokes like, the the very um like one of the catchphrases is girl you got she male and i'm like right is that which supposed is that okay like they they later on uh, in later seasons like i think actually just after season six so you just missed it they changed it to uh rupaul saying she done already done had herses which is a thing that she apparently overheard in like a hardy's or something and has thought was the funniest thing ever uh, that she'd ever heard so she they, she substituted that uh, but yeah, like I, the thing is, RuPaul. Now, all right, as somebody who is queer and also non-binary, which I, don't, I there's probably a question about whether being non-binary is part of queer culture. I, I mostly stay out of it because I'm tired. Uh, but there's a weird thing with RuPaul's uh, stance toward trans women. Now, for example, uh, in season six, so in, uh, Gia Gunn is a trans woman. Um, in th- there, there have been other queens like um, Peppermint, who's a trans woman. And RuPaul has uh, sort of talked spicy a few times about, like, trans women shouldn't be drag queens because it's, like, the equivalent of, like, doping in the Olympics. Like, it gives you an unfair advantage. Or, like, the cool thing about drag is that it's, you know, cisgender gay men doing it and not women doing it. Um, It's uncomfortable. Yeah, Uh, but what's also wild is I've seen bio queens. So, like, if a woman can wear campy makeup and costumes and do drag then why can't 
a woman right, what, wear right. campy makeup and costumes yeah. and drag. And, and, and to me, to me also, it's like if you watch RuPaul's Drag Race, the level of of plastic surgery people get done as drag queens, like why would a fucking sex change operation be a non-starter when you've got queens whose faces are like eighty percent silicone? Yeah, like why is that where you draw the line? It's silly. Get out of here. Um, but so the Boulay brothers um, who did so they did a show called Dragula and it's on Netflix. Um, it Man, all right, let's let's okay, let's jump so into it. Here's so here's the history of Dragula. Dragula was a club event in L.A. first and foremost. Hell yeah! So it was and like it was a, run by the Boulay brothers. Yeah, and it was like a I guess edgy drag. It's like creepy drag. It's like horror and like avant garde drag and a, like. What's weird is it's club kid, except that the Boulay brothers are like. How dare you wear those fucking club kid clothes on this competition? <laughs> the club the kid heels, yeah, they're like here. these these nineteen ninety three club kid heels. Get out of it! And it's, yeah, it was, it's 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 weird, but yeah, like I so it's it's positioning itself basically as uh, an alternative an alternative to the uh, sanitized Disney RuPaul's RuPaul's Drag yeah, Race. Yeah, and, and season one came out on um, I believe the YouTube channel Hey Queen. And season one, have you ever watched season one of this show? No, I jumped in on season two. It is unwatchable. It is literally like <laughs> hanging a trash bag on the wall of the bathroom and using that as the confessional for the camera. It's like unbearable. Like, well, and listen, yeah. season two, we're going to get into it. It's it's intolerable, <laughs> but season one is like unwatchable. But anyway, right. um, they got picked up by OutTV and it, they gathered some momentum and enough money to rent an actual theater for the first right. episode Very and um, enough money to buy a copy of Clive Barker's book off of eBay. And then they're <laughs> off to the races. Absolutely. And so uh, the, the, the first episode, it sort of, it opens with a, uh, a skit, which I've realized drag queen skits. It's kind of like ages ago when I showed my friend William mystery science theater 3000 for the first time. And it opened with a skit. And it's one of those things that if you're already a fan of the thing, it's fun and you feel indulgent. And like, oh, they're doing a cute thing. Um, it's you're being indulgent. Like when 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 it's a drag queen skit opening up uh, Dragula season two, and it's like the Boulay brothers at a at a board meeting with some with some big wigs and mucky mucks, and and they're like, stu- not only do suits. we object to, not only will we not pick up the pilot of your show, we will bury it to protect mankind, and then the Boulay brothers do like magic and kill everyone at the table right and just and just murder everyone now the thing is one of the boulet brothers i don't know their name they sound like brian Pussain, and i can't unhear it like every time they talk they're just like yeah you've got you've got these these 1983 club kid looks and i'm just it, it's that coming out of a drag face yeah is my there's thing. the it's tall kind of like, brother and the short brother and one of them is like right. drakthena and the other is like swamp thinga or some shit like that but yeah. i don't know which one is which now i will say um, I did watch episode two, <laughs> so I needed I'm to watch to... more than one to decide I, I absolutely hated it. But the best <laughs> part of episode two is they also do a camp skit at the beginning, wherein they resurrect a um, Frankenstein's monster, and they use poppers to bring him back to life. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is you know what it is. My my problem is so I've been to, I've been to so many gay clubs, 
uh, and, and around so many gay clubs, like, there are certain queens on these shows that I'm like, this is exactly the kind of dude that would have fucking harassed me at a gay club. Like, like the kind of guy that, like, you know, I'm out, I'm out trying to have a cigarette and they just won't leave me alone. <laughs> I think there's a queen on the show named Bitch Pudding who is just reminds me of every asshole at a gay bar that would not leave me alone. Oh, Bitch Pudding um, is fucking terrible. And I feel bad because, like, so a big part of this show is just, it's like they watched RuPaul and they're like, what if we do the all of the, the edited together cat fights, but we just say to our contestants, just go in and be hateful to one another. Oh, it's a lot. So, so it opens up. Yeah. So, all right. So, so when the show starts and it's, it's kind of a cool sequence, right? Like it opens up with uh, a circle of body bags, uh, in a dimly lit theater. And, um, this leather daddy comes walking into the room and he's covered in Israel tattoos. is my favorite part of the show. I just need to say that. Oh, he's, he's, he's perfect and has never done anything wrong. I love Israel. <laughs> Um, also but, in episode two, the Boulay brothers are like, Israel, dig up this body for us to fuck. And he's like, fine. And he digs up the body and they're like, hurry up, Israel. <laughs> See, I like it because it's like a subver- it's, it's, it's like a better version of the pit crew from RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, yeah. Actual <laughs> fucky dude. Yeah. Yeah, like, like not, like, it, it's it's a dude, this dude fucks. Like, he's got chest hair, he's got a hat. Um, and so he, you know, so there's a, a, a circle of body bags, and, and the queens all uh, claw their way out of the body bag, and then sort of, you get the intro bit where it's all of them being like, hi, I'm Victoria Black, and, you know, they sort of get, they get to goon for the camera a little bit in their little, like, promo package. Um, and then they, so they, they emerge, and the Boulay brothers are like, hey, bitches, here's the first challenge, and you just have to drink blood. <laughs> And yeah, they're like chug blood, <laughs> chug blood, you piece of shit. And so they they just sort of you know, and so they have to chug these big glasses of blood, and the first one uh, to finish and raise their glass wins the challenge, and the last one is the loser. And so uh, uh, Monarchy, um, what's her name? Monarchy something. I'm sorry, I don't remember any of these queens' names. And yeah, my apologies. That's, see, that's my problem. I don't remember the queens' names because now the thing is, it's kind of samey. They also okay. Here's the other problem: they interview the queens in one outfit and they perform in another outfit, and the outfits look so drastically different. There's no through line. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's no through the line. End of the episode. So what is really cool about the show is every final elimination, they choose the queen that they're eliminating, and they do like a Hollywood style slasher scene. So every week, yeah. um, based off of the two episodes I've seen, there's a new this queen gets murdered in this you know campy sort of way with like a chainsaw yeah. or like a knife and it's like a halloween perspective knife shot and stuff like that so like well and yeah but every and, and like it's, time and, they're on camera they're in a different costume so it's like you can't really track keep track of them right and like it's kind of great because it's sort of like halloween belongs to the gays sort of thing where it's like horror and gay culture have always hung out together and i think seeing a show that sort of just acknowledges that instead of sort of because occasionally, like, you know, like, cause on, on, on RuPaul, you've got, like, Sharon Needles or Alaska or, like, you know, sort of queens who like doing kind of transgressive stuff or, like, Trixie Mattel. Um, but I feel like on... Now, here, my, my beef with um, Dragula is that... So, 
there are different kinds of queens, obviously. Like there are comedy queens and pageant queens and um I think my 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 the main beef that I have with Dragula is that it's like a photo negative of pageant queens. Where pageant queens are all about look, all about aesthetic, like uh it's entirely to do with the look and nothing to do with like performance or comedy or being outrageous or doing any of that stuff. And I feel like so many of the queens on this show, I feel like it's entirely about how much special effects makeup they can do, which is cool, but I'm also like, where's the drag? Yeah, and what's wild is they keep talking about, like, what they all know each other from the club scene, because I guess if you do gross, weird horror drag... (laughs) Yeah, you all know each other. But, like, they always talk about, like, well, I fucked myself with a cross. It's like, why is that not on the show? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, what, you know, like, don't, don't save that for the finale. Like, if you if you can fuck yourself with a cross, you, you break that out on the pilot. But what's wild um, is how self-serious, it's like simultaneously dead self-seriously and fucking ridiculous. Yeah, 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 it's absurd. Like, you I, have now, the Lay Brothers dressed like, you know... Elsa um, Lancaster, uh, but in day glow green, and then they're like, right. and now we're going to be very serious. I think that's yeah. You're you're exactly right. Like if you're going to be a show called Dragula, first of all, if you're not using the song Dragula by Rob Zombie, you fucked up. Listen, that's like that's the baseline. rights to that song would have ruined <laughs> the budget of the show. <laughs> Yeah, so that they only would have had one bag of fake blood to to do the the opening. Actually, what would have happened is they would have had to make Rob Zombie an executive producer, and he would have been the guest judge on every challenge. See, but he would have. But here's my thing, though, that I realized while watching this. I know why they didn't use Dracula. Rob Zombie's horror movies are excruciatingly straight. (laughs) There is nothing gay, even a little bit, in any Rob Zombie movie. Like, I don't think you can find even one part of a Rob Zombie movie that's comfortable with gay people. <laughs> like, it's just, it's, it's yeah, it's incredibly hetero. Now, Ryan, um, are you meaning to tell me that St- Taylor Scout Compton finger-fucking a bagel is the male <laughs> gaze? <laughs> well, I mean, it did, it did kickstart my puberty to see somebody finger-fucking a bagel on screen, obviously. Like, it's just extremely formative for a lot of people. Um, yeah, I, so Dracula does that, but you're exactly right. Like, it's so serious and it's like, yes, and we're monsters and we're all in a room together and it's very serious. And it's like, motherfucker, you've got like fake blood shooting out of your head. Drag is supposed to be like, I mean, okay, saying what drag is supposed to be is a recipe for disaster because it can be lots of things, but it's not fun. Yeah. And, and I think what's really bad is like. I mean, RuPaul is, Drag Race is the standard by which we must measure all drag, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it's not... It's just the case. Yeah, it's tissue. It's Kleenex. It's just become Band-Aid. It's the thing that we're calling it. it, It's like WWE. Like, it is what it is, but it's kind of the thing we use to judge everything wrestling-wise. Yeah, so like, to just have... What's basically, you know, a fun read challenge. Okay, the library's open. Let's read each other. Is right. just fucking hateful queens 
talking about leaking nudes and assaulting each other and like the alcoholism where they're like hey this guy who has just lost his mother this year and is stapling himself in the face which is probably speaking to a much darker issue is also Uh an alcoholic because also look at how he chugged a um, pitcher of blood blood. yeah and monarchy monarchy whose last name I forget Um, that's the thing is like, this is a queen who wears masks and like, I'm kind of, I'm into that. Like I'm into the, um, sort of, I'm going to do drag, but I've got like sort of, um, you're never going to see what my face actually looks like, but I'm going to do monster makeup. What's also Um, fascinating about that though is every, it seems like every reality show ever, be it Project Runway or, um, drag, a drag competition or a makeup competition when judges mm -hmm. are like, Hey, don't do that thing. And they're like, it's my thing. It's my signature. Right. You gotta let Don't go of it. your signature if the judges are like, why are you doing this thing right like um, how many people have gone home on project runway going like well i don't have any regrets because i stayed true to myself and i'm like yeah you still fucked yourself out of winning project <laughs> runway because you wouldn't <laughs> stop using the material that you were told didn't fucking work for that thing like and now which also yeah this this is the thing that i like about uh, dragula i don't know who would possibly want to advertise on dragula <laughs> yeah it's the most like charmingly anti-corporate <laughs> show ever yeah and, and and i think that's what it is like you know it's i i like how punk rock that aspect of it is that like i mean and, and at the end of the day look it's folks it's on netflix like it can't be that punk rock if it's on netflix i um, also love that they couldn't even get clive barker to be on this show <laughs> <laughs> yeah which and but they they also like make sure to name drop him as like our friend clive barker uh so uh, getting into the challenge which by the first of all actually before we get into the challenge i gotta point out I like, all right, so the, the boudoir segment where it's just the queens backstage talking shit, um, this is, I, I think, meant to be a contrast with the way that RuPaul's Drag Race does shit talking, which is sort of, the way that RuPaul's Drag Race does it, it's so heavily edited and so sort of, there's, there's, an, there's an authorial att- intent, I think, behind what you're seeing on RuPaul's Drag Race. And you're just getting fucking trash verite on Dragula, where it's just the queens, like, the camera is just showing you them having a conversation. And, and it is uncomfortable. It is fucking rough. Like, it is uh, them sort of, you know, shit-talking each other and, and talking about who they are, you know. Anyway, it's it's a lot. I'm, I don't know how I feel about that, but my problem is I know that I'm going to watch episode two and then probably the rest of season two just because, like... You ever do that thing where you eat an entire thing of novelty flavor Oreos and you still don't know how you feel at the end of it? Um, yeah, they're called the General So's Flavor Potato Chips from the Publix. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I had to tap out because it it does not get nicer in episode two. Nope. No, no I, I didn't imagine it would. But I'll, all right, so the thing, that'll, the, the thing that made me want to keep watching, though, all right, let's get into the competition. So the runway is uh, uh, the Queens had to come up with a Cenobite look based on Hellraiser by Clive Barker. And so the idea is like, you know, and and which, by the way, I kind of wanted to uh, disagree on the one point where they're like Cenobites, like the, the, the form that their uh, sort of demon monstrosity takes is related to who they were in life and death. 
that didn't really come around so much until Hellraiser three. Because <laughs> Hellraiser two because was that just guy like collected so many CDs and then he shot <laughs> CDs out of his head. Yes. Yeah, Hellraiser 2 and 1 were sort of like, all right, this guy's the Butterball Cenobite. I don't know, he's fucking gross. This guy's the Chatterer Cenobite. He's got teeth. And then Hellraiser 3 is like, all right, so this he this is uh, this is camera guy and his head is a camera cuz he was a cameraman. This anyway, guy uh, he's a camera. was trying to scam the CD of the month club. <laughs> Yeah, this guy, yeah, he's going he's gonna to shoot a copy of Color Me Bad straight into your skull, and it's going to be rough. Um, but yeah, so, you know, whatever, like, it wasn't always necessarily related to who they were, but that's fine. Uh, but, so they all have to come up with uh, Cenobite looks related to, like, if you, as a drag queen, like, if, if you know, you solve the puzzle box and the, the, the Cenobites drag you to hell, uh, what, get it, drag... Um, what would they mutate your drag into looking like as a Cenobite version of itself? Quincy, these some of these looks are fucking incredible. The baby face boobs. Ah, one of them <laughs> the had tits vomit that were milk. <laughs> vomiting milk. They've got vomiting baby milk titties. And also and so the baby face butthole. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah. Like, they've got, like, an anal birth thing going on. They've got a queen coming out with, like, a, a big, um, like, with the face peeled off, but their face is on, like, a little, uh, like, Lazy Susan thing that they've got. You've got a queen with, like, with, like, exposed spines and great gouts of blood shooting out. And some of these, like, fuck, you even have a queen whose thing is that they're, like, a ka- sort of kawaii, like, sort of Shinjuku, like, monster. That they're like, I don't know, I guess I'll carry a Rubik's Cube in lieu of the Marchand configuration, which I fucking loved. Um, but so, you know, these queens, like some of them, they come out and it's like so much fucking work went into these looks. And I think it's that I desperately want to airlift some of the queens from Dragula onto a different and better show. Yeah. Not necessarily yeah. RuPaul's Drag Race, just something that's not basically faces of death (laughs) but with drag queens this show really does have a like i shouldn't be watching this feel to it and it's a thing that i like about the show like the texas chainsaw effect where i'm like this feels forbidden and like i shouldn't be watching it and i like that that's a part of queer culture that like this isn't because like rupaul like again as, as a queer person i feel some kind of way with rupaul sort of being like see straight people gay people are just like you we're exactly like you we can assimilate and you know it's it's uncomfortable and i like that the show is like no we're terrible people and also we're queer and we are super into monster makeup um but now after the competition uh one of the queen three of the queens are in the bottom oh and- the fact that this shows elimination is not a lip sync challenge it's a let's fucking stat what let's stick actual needles through your skin until you tap out yeah yeah it's fuck me and 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 again sure that's fine where where is the drag like what part of this is fun on a drag level and so they've they've got the queens and where is the gay like do yeah are gay people just really well known for sticking needles in themselves I mean, I guess if you're Captain Howdy from D. Snyder's Strangeland, this is part of your everyday life. Um, but so the the challenge is like they they take the three queens uh, backstage, and they have professional piercers just start sticking needles in them, like through their arms, through like their legs and stuff. And uh, whichever queen taps out first is, uh, uh, and, and they say 
uh, exterminated from the show, which, like, come on, it's a, it's a little try-hard. Oh, yeah, the Extermin- whole show is try-hard, right? Oh, man, the whole thing is try-hard. And so, um, you know, you get, you know, uh, Monarchy, whose last name I forget, sort of getting needles put through her, and, you know, she's got... Uh, apparently a drinking problem and a chemical dependency problem and she's just like whatever I don't feel anything and they're just like putting needles through her and she's like my dude she also stapled her mask onto her face on the runway which now and here's here's the crux of the biscuit Quincy you and I both enjoy a bit of the old deathmatch wrestling a bit of the old deathmatch for sure for sure (laughs) this was too much for me yeah, I, I like transgressive things. I like watching people do horrible things to themselves in a public setting. Like, that's fine. I like deathmatch wrestling. But I think for me, the stapling of the face, what it wasn't in service of anything when Monarchy was doing it. Like, it wasn't telling any kind of a story. It, like, I didn't see them stapling anything to their face. I didn't see the stapling making me feel anything aside from, oh, they're definitely stapling their face. Like, yeah, it's just, it's like, I'm going to be gross. Yeah, it's transgression for the sake of transgression, which is fine, but boring. Uh, and so, you know, you get the queens and they're getting, like, needles put through them. And then as the needles are getting put through them, they keep upping the gauge so that it's a bigger piercing every time to sort of add to the, like, tap out factor. And then, so one of the queens taps out. Uh, I think it's the, the kawaii queen. Yes. Who taps out. Um, and so they film a little, like, murder movie segment with her. And then it says, like, you know, nine queens remaining or whatever. Uh, and that's the pilot of season, or not pilot, but that's the premiere of season two of Dragula. Oh wait, Quincy. no, it's not the Kawaii Queen. It's the other unmemorable one because Kawaii Queen's in the next episode. <laughs> Here's the problem: is they no, change the other, their the makeup other so much that you can't remember who is who. Right, and it's the the monster makeup is great, but it's like I don't, I haven't seen a performance that would make me remember them on a performance level. Because like at least with RuPaul's Drag Race or another show like that, you know, you see them during a challenge or during a skit or something, and you get to remember them being funny or being memorable or something. And this is just sort of all right. So you look like a fucking monster. That's neat. So where do you want to put? Season 2, Episode 1 of Dragula. Oh, boy. All right, all right. Scrolling uh, now, and I say this, there were things, uh, there were a lot of things about Dragula that I liked. I'm going to watch another couple of episodes to see how I feel about it, and then probably another few after that to see how I feel about those. <laughs> and then... Um, because I can't, I can't fucking leave well enough alone. Um, all right, looking at the list, Quincy, which is better? A Pinky in the Brain Halloween at number 383, <laughs> or Dracula uh, Season 2, Episode 1. Okay, so we were talking about Deathmatch Wrestling. Yeah. And I feel like Deathmatch Wrestling is better than this. I think so, too. I, I think it is in service of a story that isn't just titillation for the sake of titillation. Faces of Death is better than this. Yeah, because at least Faces of Death, it, I don't maybe it's just sort of the cultural cachet of Faces of Death, like it occupies a certain place, I think, in our brains. And, and weirdly enough, it's trying to do something noteworthy. I'd mm-hmm. say that it is not as good as Pinky in the Brain, only because that's still better stuff below yeah. it. 
Agree. Um, I think now. Do, all right, do I you do think it's... that we've also said Spooky Buddies is better than Dracula <laughs> at this point? <laughs> I mean, Spooky Buddies. Listen, there's transgression for the sake of transgression, and there's casting five puppy souls into Christian hell uh, in service of a story, and that's listen. I have to. I have to stand behind that. Now, Ryan, um, pound for pound, gay culture. Mm-hmm. At number three ninety two, we have Machiste in Hell. Oh, wow. All right, so we have uh, large, greased-up Italians struggling with various items versus um, monster drag queens uh, spraying blood out of their faces onto a camera. I gotta tell you, I would rather watch Machiste stay in hell. Yeah, now here's the thing. Um, What does it mean that one of them is trying to be as gay as possible and the other one is... (laughs) actually as gay as possible well one of them is trying to be gay as possible but my problem as a queer person watching this is like okay so you're saying that queer culture is being fucking predatory and awful and mean like i get that you know queer culture shouldn't be the absolute vodka ad that is rupaul's drag race but i it it, it upsets me on a level that's like okay this is your version of queer culture which is sticking needles in each other and screaming at each other backstage and telling each other to quit drag and drinking blood like i don't know it it makes me uncomfortable that like i mean again that's great that this is your version of queer culture lighten up what are we doing okay come on so i've never been to i've been to what i guess you'd call a top 40 drag show um but Mm. i've never seen any like monster drag what do they dance to is it just like field recordings of slaughterhouses is it just (laughs) the new mersbo album played backwards what is that they're (laughs) dancing like which by the way if you're a drag is it the swans collected discography if if you're a queen that comes out to mersbo i will personally pay you money that's the greatest thing i've ever heard Um, but also, like, I honestly, Monster Dragon. I have they a love sweaty one dollar bill to tuck in your panties. <laughs> <laughs> it's got your name all over it, Mersbow fan. Um, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I yeah, yeah. Monster Drag. It's it's very sort of oh cool a Comba Christ song <laughs> where it's 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 just I it. It's it's a lot. It's just a lot. And I and again, as somebody who's living that horror lifestyle and also loves drag, let's let's calm down a little, shall we? What are we What are we doing? Um, so I feel like I would put Machiste in Hell above it. However, uh, below Machiste in Hell is the Alien Factor at number three hundred ninety three. I would definitely put Dragula season two episode one above the Alien Factor because there's at least something there. And the alien factor is a whole lot of nothing. Just a guy in a whole lot of scene. nothing. Yep, yep. It's just there's there's nothing to recommend it. It's it's uh, I I'm trying to remember. Th- I I remember vaguely things about the alien factor. It's got an alien in it, and he uh, he walks around in. and scares people. Yep, that def- <laughs> that definitely does happen. So yeah, so I feel good about uh, putting uh, Dragula season two episode one uh, at our new number three hundred and ninety three. Uh, and the full title of that is the Boulay Brothers Dragula, because they can't just call it Dragula, Dragula. which is probably because of the whole um, Rob Zombie thing. I'm sure they were like, we have to call it this. Well, and also there's it, it, it puts it firmly in pro wrestling carny territory because of the fact that apparently there's a thing in your contract on Dragula that you cannot appear on RuPaul's Drag Race if you're on Dragula. Whoa! 
like they've got an exclusive contract thing going on. That is so some not, WWE not Vince chicanery right there. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you're an independent contractor, indie, just, you know, you can't, you've got a no-compete clause. And so it's, yeah, wow. it's not, it's wow. not ideal. So speaking of, um, speaking of corporate blood-sucking entities, let's talk about RuPaul's Drag Race. Start your engine. <laughs> um, so RuPaul's Drag Race, uh, the, the episode we're doing is uh, Season 6, Episode 3, Scream Queens. Uh, which features, by the way, on um, the uh, the judges' table, we have motherfucking Linda Blair in attendance on this episode. Oh, I love that Linda Blair, even into her adult years, just has that baby face. Oh, yeah. And I love that her entire career has been fighting against that because of the amount yeah. of movies where she's like a crossbow-wielding street punk, a, a crucifix yeah. fucking well, devil girl, a she, yeah. doppelganger who is killing her friend on summer camp. And it's just like, nope, you still look like a sweet little baby. Sorry. Yeah, she, that, that's that's the thing. Is she pretty much popped out of The Exorcist, and then as soon as she was able to, like, sort of got her tits out on camera and was doing B-movies and blood splattering everyone, it's like... Linda, I'm sorry. You're you you were nominated for an Oscar at 12 years old for this performance. Like this is just this is your life now. Is that you're Reagan from The Exorcist? Yeah, but but she's very good at this. So oh, she's great. <laughs> no, yeah, like and, and it's great because on on the uh, the judges' table, like you can tell that she's very much sort of she turned in one life-alteringly great performance early on in her life and then was just able to sort of hang out after that and it's great like she's just like hey guys i'm linda blair like she's just she has nothing to prove and i, I support her in her entire endealment what is the process of getting to be a guest judge on drag race that is a great question um i i feel like the process by which one becomes a rupaul's drag race judge is that you uh, you write down polls? Let me go to Drag Race on a piece of paper. You leave it on hamburger uh, uh, on a countertop at Hamburger Mary's in West Hollywood, and then if they can find your Twitter through that note, you will be invited to be a Drag Race judge. <laughs> well, I'm moving to Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a I've got a dream. Which, by the way, Hamburger Mary's has the the friendliest fucking wait staff. Like every time I've gone there, it's just. Anyway, like not not to show for Hamburger Mary's on an episode where I'm like, man, RuPaul's Drag Race is too corporate, but like Hamburger Mary's is fucking great. So my son has heard from some cartoon, we're going to Hollywood, and he just says that all the time. And tonight I said, <laughs> do you know where Hollywood is? And he said, no, I don't even know what Hollywood is. And I'm like, <laughs> good for him. Mood, serious mood. Yeah. He's just copping to it. Like, I listen, do any of us really know what Hollywood is? <laughs> um, so, so Scream Queens, uh, all right, so there's my least favorite queen on this season is Laganja Estrada. Oh, she's the dirt worst. I hate her so uh, much. She puts that uh, fucking plant hanging, like, macrame on her head, and I just want to slap the shit out of her. Yeah, Laganja Estrange, now, my, all right, my, my beef with Laganja Estrange, aside from the fact that she's just annoying as shit, because, like, she sort of... And, and, you know, Laganja Strange is a queen whose thing is that weed, but the thing is that the weed doesn't factor into anything about her drag at all. Like, yeah. she's not, she doesn't have, like, a stoner character, she doesn't have a, anything to do with weed aside from the fact that her name is Laganja Strange. And, you know, she was, like, buddies with Adora Delano before the show, and even is like, dude, you're putting on this voice? I've never heard you talk like this. 
<laughs> and and Lagan just runs just like yes, and everyone's just like, oh, that doesn't sound like the way you talk. Um, and it's just Lagan just runs is just a lot. It's just a lot. Uh, and as the so a thing that I appreciate about RuPaul is Ru's ability to hawk a product. <laughs> Like, so, so good at just selling everything. Yeah, and all I can hear is just, you know on Project Runway, how as the show progressed and the uh, the fashion accessory wall got sort of worse every season because they, were, they had less money? And so it used to be, you know, sort and, and then as, you know, the seasons Wouldn't went on, it was like... the fashion accessory wall at one season Etsy? Yeah, it's sort of like, use the Payless Shoe Source accessory wall very thriftily. Um, and it's, yeah, so I, I feel like RuPaul and Tim Gunn, listen, man, I, I, I respect the hustle. They are good at shelling for stuff. Now, so on this episode, they're, they're sort of trying to make a horror skit, uh, which, now, so all the queens get divided up into team, teams, and they have to, I, I don't think they come up with the skit themselves. I think they have to just read the lines. Yeah, yeah, they just give them a script. And, um... Who wrote oh, this I... garbage? <laughs> wrote this garbage it's so bad these skit these skits are, are so it's like haha a uh, hairy box joke um yeah fish and chips it's very like <laughs> lowest common yeah. denominator jokes to be fair they do say your mother darns socks in hell which is yes. amazing yes because your mother darns socks drag race hell. standards and practices says no you cannot say suck cock on Sucks drag cock. race yeah no there was that and then uh vivacious said your mother scrubs docks in hell <laughs> so i love that they were just like all right how the fuck do we get around okay this? let's talk about vivacious turning in the most lackluster performance of a satanic head in a box I've ever seen. It was, it was, listen, this was the sleepiest Satan that ever was. Like, so in, in, in the, in the sketch, there's like two queens that are like teenagers in a house. And then there's like a creepy old lady who uh, moves a box. And under the box is the severed head of her daughter. And the, the daughter is cool. Like she's just yelling at you. And Vivacious just sort of, like, they move the box off of Vivacious's head, and Vivacious just sort of stares into the middle distance for, like, ten seconds, and then goes, goes your mother scrubs dots in (laughs) (laughs) Blah. Um, And it's honestly, although I feel like that was a shady edit, that I'm like, look, you didn't have to keep that whole thing in. Like, you could have, you could have cut out the ten seconds of silence before Vivacious had to deliver that line. Listen, Um, if, if the... If the crew of um, RuPaul's Drag Race does anything, it's being shady as hell and just being oh, unfortunate man. editors. Now, these, yeah, all right. So the edits that, I, I love the edits so much because now this is meant to be watched uh, in real time on cable TV. Uh, and so you'll get these things like, coming up on RuPaul's Drag Race, and you'll get like an edit that's, it's sort of, you remember that part of The Simpsons with the gummy Venus to Milo? Where, you know, they have, like, we have the recording of Homer Simpson, and he's like, and I saw her sweat sitting on her sweet can. And it's like, grabbing for the Venus de Milo gummy. And it's like that, where the editors on RuPaul's Drag Race are like, you know, you get a, a judge being like, green is the worst color, and I hope you die. And then you're, and then they cut to a queen looking upset, and then they cut back, and they're like, now, if I were awful, I would say... Green is my least favorite color, and I hope you die, but actually, I love your outfit. And it's just like, you never know what the edits are actually going to mean. 
yeah, it's just awful. It it could be fucking anything. Uh, and so the queens do the, this this horror sketch. So one um, of them is like the '60s original, and then the other is like the '80s update. So it's also like, haha, we have glam, and then we also have, um, then we have uh, '80s. Gia Gun. Gia is simple as hell. Oh, she's so she's such a precious little dum dum. Uh-huh. She says, "I think it's very interesting that theirs was in black and white." And you hear the production assistant say, "Do you think that's because it's mimicking a movie from the '60s?" And she's like, "Well, maybe." <laughs> it's amazing. You just watch that thought occur. To her. Like you see her. Like there's there's a hamster on a wheel in her head that wakes up in that moment looks up at the information it's just been given and goes and goes no nah, i'm going back to sleep no i don't know <laughs> i got i got i got nothing uh gia is oh god god bless her she's she's trying her best also trinity k bonet this entire season Precious her baby. entire character is i can't act and bless her heart every fucking challenge is some acting challenge and they're yeah. constantly saying well maybe you should learn how to act yeah, honestly, Trinity K. Bonet, I have so many feelings about as the season progresses. Like, anytime, like, she's she's one of those queens that you're just like, it's incredible because at one point you realize that all she needed was for one person to give her positive affirmation and it changes fucking everything. Like, there's an episode where Bianca Del Rio is like, hey, you know, you can do this, and then it somehow works and she can actually do the thing. And it's like, oh, maybe some, she just needed somebody to not be fucking mean. Listen, Bianca Del Rio is my most favorite problematic queen. Oh, same. I, I want to, I yeah, I want to be more, like, like Bianca Del Rio is one of the only queens that has, like, a personality that I'm like, there's stuff there that I would like to be myself. Like, there's there's stuff there that I feel like she, she's so unfuckwithable in the regard that, like, she has such a lack of vindictive, vindictiveness and ego. Like, she's just, she's laughing at herself. I don't know, it's... I, I love I love Bianca Del Rio. Um, these... Especially like later in the season, uh, Bianca gives Precious Baby Adore a um, cincher, and well, it brought tears to my eyes. It's incredible! Like it becomes Bianca Del Rio's home for wayward queens, where she's just like a <laughs> single mom now, and she's just like, God damn it, she's just trying to lead a less stressful life, Can taking we care have of all these the queens. The next Bianca Del Rio movie be. Bianca Del Rio has to adopt all of these shitty 19 and 20 something <laughs> queens because it really is yeah. like every season of drag of drag race you have these you know queens over 35 which is mm-hmm. a big mood uh, as i approach oh, yeah. 35 and just fucking dumb as rocks 19 and 20 year olds who are just pretty and fucking stupid and they've never had to try in their life yeah, and, well, and, and, and yeah. the thing that I always think about was this one post that was like, listen, sometimes you get a queen who, like, they were so busy getting bullied in school that they didn't have time to learn anything. And so they, <laughs> made it, they, were, they were getting victimized so much that they couldn't learn things, and so they're just simple as hell, and we need to help them. Um, oh, man. But, but yeah, so they, they, do the, 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 they do the lip sync, um, and it ends up between Vivacious and um, April Carrion. And Vivacious and, and, puts on that fucking club kid, 
porcupine spike outfit. <laughs> it looks like if the Noid from Domino's Pizza <laughs> became a Cenobite. Like, it's just, it's nubby and red and scary. Um, and I like that, I, and my, my, my other favorite thing is, like, regional differences between drag queens that, like, you can tell a New York queen from the fucking walk. And Vivacious's walk is, like, hips traveling roughly a yard in each direction. Like, just this huge, huge walk. But, like, so they, they both kill the lip sync, but Vivacious has to go home. Vivacious's accent, I cannot place it. It's, she sounds like Dr. Evil. Yeah, it's wild. And I yet, I've heard other people with that accent. I think it's some sort of New York accent. Oh, is that what that is? It's it's some borough of New York, because I've heard other people on television and in person talk like that. Shit. Um, well, there we go. But it's wild. It's, it's like, you know that isolated island where it's like off of South Carolina, where people still talk like with Irish accents, but they're Americans oh, and they've been there yeah. for like hundreds of years. Right. It's, it's something equally <laughs> bizarre. It's like Innsmouth, but for drag queens. Like, yeah. People, they're, they're like, <laughs> everyone's like, oh, get out of here, outsider. Um, it's, yeah, it's incredible. Um, and, and so, like, the, the horror aspect of this episode, I feel like I don't know that any of the queens involved with this actually like horror movies. I mean, they say they do, but mm-hmm. I think. Here's the thing. All of the real ghoul queens are on in a non-compete clause to be on Dragula. Right, right. So maybe if, you know, Victoria Black or something from Dragula had been on this episode, they would have fucking cleaned up on, on this one round. Honestly, Can you, I, you know imagine Monarchy on Drag Race? I keep thinking about that. Like, I would love to just, like, airdrop one of the Dragula queens on and just see how they do and how they interact with the other queens. Um, the it's sort the of, Kauai it's, Queen culture clash or whatever would be perfect for the show. Oh, she would be great. Monarchy, I think it would be like dropping like Necro Butcher into an episode of NXT. <laughs> <laughs> like it would just be the most insane possible thing. And I kind of want to see what that would look like. Well, what's annoying is Milk was on this season of Drag Race. Oh, and yeah. Milk is the dirt fucking worst. Yeah, Milk Milk has a heel turn as the, <laughs> as the season goes on. I really liked Milk starting out and then was just kind of like, no. But mostly I realized that it's because I like Milk's nose. That's I'm a, I'm a sucker for, for cool noses. So where so where on the list do we want to put RuPaul Season 6, Episode 3, Screen Queens? Looking at the list. Okay. Let's, so let's... Oh, please. Is it better or worse than Dragula? And on what... Mm. Vector, vector are we grading it because as horror mm-hmm. it's probably i mean the movies they've made are not good here's the thing i if i'm going all right so what we're really comparing uh because this this uh for, for those who are new listeners usually this is a horror movie podcast <laughs> occasionally we want to talk about drag queens um so what we're really yeah what we're really talking about is uh, the movies that they made, like this, the, the skits they did on RuPaul's Drag Race, is that better or worse than basically the runway looks that they turned in on Dragula for the Cenobites? Going by that, Cenob- I'm, I'm giving it to Cenobites. Like, the, the, move, the skits that they made... Now, the thing that I realized... Quincy, are you familiar with Filk? F-I-L-K? No. Filk is a subgenre of folk music prevalent in the sci-fi and fantasy community that's basically heavily referential, sort of nobody outside of sci-fi and fantasy listens to Filk. And it's sort of like songs about tropes and stuff, and it's sort of like, 
if you are the kind of person in a uh, it, silence is golden but duct tape is silver t-shirt at like Worldcon or something, probably you know about Filk. Uh, and the thing is that nobody outside of it likes it. I've realized that like a lot of drag queen skits and drag queen music, it's basically queer Filk. Like, nobody is listening to RuPaul that doesn't watch RuPaul's... It's like Fozzie, right? Like, nobody's listening to Fozzie who isn't already a wrestling fan. And I oh, think... I've never like, thought of that before, but you're totally correct. <laughs> yeah, like, like drag queen skits. Like, if, if, you, if you showed somebody outside of, like, you know, because I, I watch so much drag race that I can sort of debate the merits of uh, the, the Scream Queens episode, but if I had just come out of the blue cold... Uh, watching this thing, I would have just been like, the fuck am I watching? <laughs> like, what is what is any of this? And it doesn't really work. Where, like, if I had come to Dragula cold and just seen that runway, I would have gotten it instantly. Okay. But, mm-hmm. hear me out. Yep. A door in an 80s popular girl power suit. Oh, man. A door did have a great fucking wig. And also, Adore's... I, I, I'm so excited to see the progression of when Adore finally cinches and Michelle Visage decides to let her live. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm in love with Michelle Visage. I've realized that uh, Christina is basically Michelle Visage, just not <laughs> Like, it's... Listen, uh, I just I just like women who are mean to me. Um, listen, but- I... Um, as a hog-bodied individual, I deeply... <laughs> Uh, felt betrayed when a door in that season no longer has a hog body, as Listen, she calls you gotta, it. You got to stand by that hog body, man. Listen, it's 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 uh, it's a classic for a reason. So going by that, all right. I feel like here's 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 for me what it is. I would put Cenobites, uh, the, the Cenobite episode of Dracula, season two, episode one, above Drag Race, but only a little bit. So, like, because, right above? Because I think Drag Race is also better than the Alien Factor. I think so, too. And I think that, um, because you know what it is? It was the moment when Victoria Black unveiled her skinned face, peeled, like, the, the peeled face look. Any, uh, this is, I think, for me, it's like with pro wrestling, any drag look that makes me actually yell is something that I love. Yeah. Like, anything that actually produces a response where I go, yo, and, like, throw something... That's that's what it's about for me with drag and also wrestling. For sure. So the new number three ninety four is RuPaul's Drag Race season six episode three Scream Queens. Hell yeah, Quincy. Where can our listeners find us on the internet? Oh, uh, we're everywhere. Uh, we can be found on Patreon at patreon.com slash rankandvile, where you can find show notes. Um, you can subscribe to our um, boxes of goodies, where you get um, quarterly uh, subscription boxes of fan art and Blu-rays. Um, someone got a copy of Body Melt. Um, I don't remember who. I just know someone <laughs> got that. Listen, we, we, we mailed out a copy of Body Melt to somebody, and they will be receiving <laughs> it at some point. We don't know who and we don't know when, but you're welcome. If you would like to confirm, <laughs> just so <laughs> for, for personal edification reasons... <laughs> Oh fuck! This listen. We if, if as long so as we maybe, can do that, like like I'm sorry. I know we're supposed to like say like please donate so that we can pay for hosting costs and like upgrade <laughs> equipment. 
But that's probably not the best pitch. You may get a copy of Body Melt. <laughs> you in the may mail. get a copy of Body Melt in the mail. We can neither confirm nor deny. But listen, uh, volatility is—it's uh, exciting. You know, just never knowing what you're going to get in the mail from your friends at Wreck and Bile. Ryan, where else on the internet are we? Uh, we are permanently and abidingly shitposting on Twitter at Rank and Vile Cast. We are on Instagram and Tumblr at Just Rank and Vile. Uh, we are on Letterboxd at Rank and Vile. Um, we've been uh, adding a bunch of uh, more stuff uh, lately on Letterboxd. Um, mostly because I've realized I, I uh, added Letterboxd to my phone and now it's the thing that I futz with, so I just mostly do a lot of stuff on Letterboxd. Super. Um, we also have a Discord. Um, I don't know if we have a link to that recently. Oh, um, we'll pl- ask, uh, uh, ask a cool go to your local um your local gay bar on drag night and walk up to someone <laughs> and ask are you in the rank and vile discord and they'll say no and then tweet r- at rank and vile cast and say <laughs> can you dm me a link to the discord i have been sorely embarrassed absolutely and also if you are a queen who wants to guest on this podcast we would love to have you on please um, correct all of our dumb notions and oh absolutely tell us why what we have totally missed and we'll watch um a hyper-offensively titled movie that I kind of don't want to do, but maybe we'll do if if anyone can argue. If, if we can, if we can go, well, we had a queen with us on the show for it, so that makes it fine, right? I don't know. No, it's untenable. I can't. <laughs> yeah, do there's it. no way we can. We cannot. We can't do it. Um, but yeah. So barring that, that is about all I got. You got anything else? Say spooky. Have a good week, folks.